The following podcast contains adult subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everybody, welcome to this interview episode of Thinking Outside the Long Box. As always, I am Gabe, and today I have the distinct pleasure of talking with Sierra McCormick, uh, the the female lead of uh, The Vast of Night, uh, which obviously we have talked to several people from the cast, and obviously we have also talked about it on the show. Uh, this is a movie that excites us very much. Sierra, how are you doing today? I am great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> After this, I'm going to go to a splash park with my little one and maybe some flea marketing. So, pretty. pretty oh wow! So, yeah. Hope hopefully you wear a mask. <laughs> oh yeah. Every everywhere we go. <laughs> so good. <laughs> uh, so Sierra, I guess the first thing I have to ask is how did you get involved in like an indie picture filmed in Texas, <laughs> you know, like how, how did you end up being a part of the project? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Sometimes the best, I don't know, the best, like this, this, um, this film was probably one of the most incredibly like artistically satisfying experiences I've gotten to have. And one of the most, um, sort of wide reaching films I've gotten to do in a, in a while. And, um, it's kind of crazy how it came to me because it just sort of seemed to, to come out of nowhere and, and bring itself to me in this very sort of clandestine way. It was very interesting. Um, so I got sent the script by my manager and he said that the director would like to, you know, have a Skype conversation if you're available. And so I read the script and I was like, Oh my God, I have to make absolutely like sure that I get to be a part of this. This is incredible. And so I had a Skype conversation with Andrew, the director, and we just sort of, geeked out about movies mostly for that conversation um and then he also gave me just some overall notes about the character and some thoughts and stuff like that and so then I taped a scene um I sent it off to Andrew and I sent him like an extra kind of like text message that was like essentially in so many words being like please I will bust my ass for you (laughs) um it's it's something like that essentially and so um after that I was told that I got the job and I got to start sort of communicating with Andrew and Jake, um, who plays Everett, um, over the course of a couple months. And then we got to get there for a rehearsal and then we shot the film. (laughs) So uh, we've talked to a lot of like writers and a lot of like actors and very rarely do I hear them talk about rehearsal time before they start filming a movie but everybody that we've talked to that's involved with this talked about how valuable the rehearsal time that you guys had before filming the movie was what was what was the yeah. experience like well it's something that you know i kind of got spoiled in that respect because you know a lot of other you know indie film you know you just don't have the time really or the resources to sort of you know have that extensive rehearsal time like jake and i got but andrew really made sure that that was um that was mandatory that was like something we always were going to do that was always the plan he told us that ahead of time um and i don't know i think it really helped develop specifically the relationship between everett and faye because you know jake and i got all that time to not only get you know settled in with our characters but also get to know each other pretty well and so by the time we actually shot a lot of the scenes between everett and faye we were pretty friendly we were pretty relaxed we were pretty you know 
we were just having fun. And I think that really sort of shows through when you see Everett and Faye, you know, talking and having fun. That's a very genuine sort of time and connection that Jake and I got to have because Andrew really, you know, facilitated it. So the conversations that you have with Jay are so like, are, or sorry, not Jay, Jake are so like rapid fire, like back and forth like yeah. for tat, like, like friends would be, but then there's so many moments in the movie that are so pulled back and like deliberate with like exposition that's presented in like a really interesting way. Mm-hmm. When you're dealing with dialogue, which kind of, which kind of mode do you prefer to work in? Like those long explanate, like, you know, explanations and like deliberate speeches and monologues or like that rapid fire back and forth that you have with him? Oh, that's a hard question because everyone kind of, you know, generally the movie is, you know, kind of where I love to sit as an actor, which is getting to do both of those things. But no one's actually asked me to pick between the two. Um, and so I'm trying to think within myself, uh, I love those sort of, you know, rat-a-tat scenes between Jake and I because it's like this really just fun, um, I would say like a tennis match, you know, you get to like just go back and forth and back and forth and it kind of like gains like speed and excitement, you know, as it kind of goes along and those, Jake is such a really, he's just such a great scene partner for those kinds of scenes specifically. But I think personally, you know, those scenes kind of where I get to just be still and act I guess or you know exist authentically like my my scene at the switchboard or like scenes where I'm just getting to to listen or to speak without um you know moving around or without all the physicality I really enjoy those scenes just because um at least for me as a performer like blocking and you know uh cheating for camera things like that you know I can do them and stuff but they kind of you know are something that I have to have like in the periphery sort of of, of my, of my brain when I'm sort of acting and stuff like that. And so when I get to just be still, I can really like tune all of that out and just really focus on like focus in, I guess. And so I think personal, I think those scenes are probably more what my favorites would be if I had to choose not to say that I don't love some rapid fire, just sort of dialogue conversations with Jake. (laughs) So, so both Jake and Gail talked about like the atmosphere of like, you know, the, the tightness of like the sets and working like overnight and just kind of how they mm-hmm. created something, you know, very special. What were some of your favorite things about like those overnight shoots and kind of like the, the close proximity that everybody had while working together? Well, you know, for me specifically, um, firstly, night shoots just, um, they just speak to me. I just function really well. I'm like naturally nocturnal, you know, in my own life. Um, and I have been since I was born. And so those, those night shoots or that schedule specifically really worked for me. So I was like feeling great the entire shoot. You know, I wasn't drinking any coffee. I never hit a wall. Like I was just feeling good. And I think part of that's because it was finally a shoot that like somehow Uh, managed to align with my like circadian rhythm or whatever but I think also you know shooting at night you know and you're out in this small town and there's like all this stillness and all this you know sort of you know because we shot in this like legitimately very very small town in Texas and obviously you know at you know two in the morning there's nothing happening it's completely empty and I think that sort of lends itself to you know a lot of the still sort of moments in the film that are so effective and powerful because the actual sort of environment that we were really shooting that in had that sort of stillness and that quietness and that 
I don't know. It just begs you to listen because it feels like there's got to be something out there. It's too quiet, you know. Oh. Um, and just that small town, just sort of just being in the small town, immersing Jake and I, immersing ourselves sort of in it, I think also was helpful for both of us because we're both, you know, city people and we're both, you know, we both come from, you know, pretty large, you know, densely populated cities, him, New York and me in L.A., um, and so getting getting to immerse ourselves in that genuine small town sort of energy and stuff like that, we got to notice a lot of just really interesting idiosyncrasies that a lot of the townspeople have just, you know, from from being in such a small environment where everyone knows everyone. They have this sort of small town sort of um, shorthand that they speak with each other. And I think Jake and I tried to, to you know, utilize that as well, you know, in our performances and just kind of help us inform um, just certain things that, you know, you, certain characteristics you would have if you've grown up in this really, you know, small town with a population of, you know, under a thousand or whatever. Working in like that, you know, coming from L.A. and then working in like that, that small, like, you know, little town kind of America thing, did it kind of change your perspective on anything? Like, I feel like that would be kind of a, a culture shock. Like, as as someone that lives in a city that started very small when I was younger and is now kind of booming, like, I know that mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that don't want to keep up. And so as a consequence, yeah. <laughs> this perpetual state of culture shock. So was it kind of yeah. going the other way? Um, it was interesting. I mean, I had been to Texas plenty of times. You know, my mother is from Texas. Um, and so I'd been to like the major Texas cities. And so I kind of had like a an idea of just Texas culture, which is its own thing in and of itself. Um, and so I had an idea about that, but I had not been to, I think, a town quite that small. That That's correct. And so I don't know. It was really interesting. Um, Jake and I were kind of in a, a state of some kind of culture shock, you know, a lot of the time just because, you know, we'd witness things or hear things and stuff like that and just be like, wow, that is just so completely different than the way both of us kind of live and exist. Or, you know, we'd go to like a lot of the sports bars and stuff down there and we'd, you know, be hanging out. We'd just be people watching because, like I said, I think it kind of informed our performance. And also it was just fascinating, I think, to the both of us, like I said, because we come from, you know, very large, you know, progressive cities and stuff. And, you know, we shot this like pre-election, actually. And so I think both of us were kind of also a little nervous and a little, you know, fascinated by just kind of listening and people watching and just, I don't know, like observing, you know, just these these kinds of like people that we hadn't really gotten to to see a whole lot of ourselves, you know, in our lives. And so I think, yeah, I think it just mostly was fascinating for us. We had a lot of, you know, we just had a lot of interesting, you know, stuff that we like got to listen to and hear and just a lot of interesting perspectives from a wide variety of people, like I said, that we hadn't really gotten to, you know, to witness or experience before. Kind of going back just into the movie, this is part of a recording block where we're going to talk about like very visual movies and while like so much of this movie is like wrapped up in like dialogue and and words which is the main thrust of it it's all presented in like such a visually unique and like stunning kind of way when when you guys were filming it were you like fully aware of like how like visually interesting it was going to be as well as the dialogue well to be honest um you know we had kind of an idea i mean jake and i weren't like completely blindsided when we saw the movie for the first time we were like wow 
Um, I mean, in a way, we still actually kind of were, now that I think about it. But, you know, we had an idea that there was going to be very interesting camera work just because of the way um, Andrew shot things. You know, when we shoot scenes, you know, we have that one long stretch where Jake and I are talking back and forth and, you know, you're kind of behind us. And then um, obviously, you know, the big wonder that a lot of people talk about, you know, we had an idea that that's, that was going to be, that was actually written in the script, um, believe it or not. So a lot of the actual camera um, direction, a lot of the movement and stuff that's so unique was written into the script. Um, however, when I did finally see like the final cut or like, you know, a cut of the movie, I was still shocked at how like beautiful the rest of the imagery was, you know, cause I wasn't really paying attention as much, you know, for a lot of the scenes where I'm listening, you know, like when uh, Gail has her wonderful monologue or when I'm at the switchboard and stuff like that. I really wasn't thinking about the, the camera setup and stuff at all when I was shooting those scenes, um, you know, as opposed to the shooting the one and shooting some of those other more technical scenes. I had an idea of, you know, what all that camera setup was for and stuff like that. You know, you couldn't really be around and not sort of, understand at least you know what they were trying to attempt to do but you know some of those scenes where I was more locked in and I, I wasn't really paying attention to the camera setup and stuff when I saw those I was still blown away just of just how you know our our DP Miguel was just you know unknown unbeknownst to me or you know I wasn't really paying attention as much because I was focused on performance stuff he was just setting up these incredibly beautiful shots even when I was just you know sitting at the sit switchboard excuse me sitting at the switchboard or you know when I'm listening yeah right sitting at the switchboard I gotta make <laughs> new tongue twister um or, or when I'm listening to, to Gail or whatever just some of those shots are still like they still surprise me each time you know just because I didn't really have a concept of how they were going to look you know when I when we shot them and I'm still always kind of blown away a little bit by them <laughs> Working within, like, science fiction, you're often faced with, like, you know, big, like, special effects scenes and that sort of thing. But this is definitely, mm -hmm. like, a, a more subdued and, like, contemplative version of science fiction. It, if you had the opportunity to, like, work on a giant budget science fiction movie after doing this, do you think you would be as interested having, like, created something so, like, unique? Um, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I would have to, it, it all depends on, you know, like the nature of the of the thing or the character that I'd be playing and stuff like that. I don't I don't try to sort of discern or view things, you know, based on budget or resources and stuff. However, you know, I have done like large budget films and I've done like really small budget films like this. And I, I kind of find that my like satisfaction artistically or my you know, choices or, or my good time really more just depends on the people and the nature of the material that I'm working on. So, you know, that's definitely not to say that I would never, you know, do like a big budget, you know, sci-fi thing. You know, why not? Even, you know, I love, you know, a lot of those sci-fi movies that kind of lend themselves to excessive, you know, big sort of sets and budgets and all, all fantastical sort of like effects and stuff like that. And, you know, really leaning into like the futurism and stuff, you know, I really enjoy those kinds of things as well. In addition to films like Bass that sort of, you know, take a concept and it's really big and then shoot it on this sort of small scale. And then, you know, tries to do something really unique and just like different with it. Um, I just think that it comes down to more, you know, like, uh, characters material and stuff like that so I don't know that's yeah I, I would definitely still consider like doing a huge you know big budget sci-fi movie and stuff like that I mean it, yeah it would just depend more more so on 
character and plot and such rather than, you know, budget or, you know, concept. <laughs> when, when you think about like how you, you know, like all the different like aspects of like science fiction and genre and all of that, mm-hmm. stuff, it's, it's awesome to hear you say that like both things like hold like an equal kind of place in your heart. That's really that's fun. I don't know. Some people only like one way or the other, and it's it's nice to hear that you like all of it, and that's that's cool to me. So, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, you know, you, you've talked about how, like, visual it, we've talked about how visual it is and, like, how interesting it is, and you've mentioned a couple times now how, like, satisfying it was to, like, work on this movie. What was it yeah. about the movie that really just kind of spoke to you and made it so that you you felt so, you know, satisfied with the end product? Yeah, well, a lot of that has to do with, um, one, the character of Faye, just in general. Because um, even on paper, when I, when I read the script, I was super impressed with just, you know, female characters like Faye just don't come along for actresses all that much, you know? Um and so I was just, more, I was super impressed. Or what really drew me, you know, initially um, to the script was the character of Faye and just how she gets to have this, you know, really interesting sort of arc throughout the film. Because, you know, she starts out the film, you know, really, you know, excited and enthusiastic, but still, you know, very timid, you know, very hesitant to assert herself, especially to Everett. Um, and through the course of this this evening, you know, where she starts, you know, putting the pieces of this mystery together, she eventually leads this adventure by the end. She's, you know, bossing Everett around. She's telling him what to do. She's figuring out what they should do next. Um, And so that was, you know, very attractive just on its own. And then also, you know, qualities that Faye has reminds me a lot of my sister. Um, And so I was able to sort of have this like starting point that, you know, was really helpful. I was able to have this very basic template that I could work with. I could start with those qualities that Faye has that are very different from my own. And I could, you know, I was inspired by my sister and I could draw on those kinds of, you know, similarities that they have. And then I was able to sort of, you know, work from there. And it was very satisfying, I think, because I got to really just dig in and do like some real, just like straight character work, you know, acting wise. And I don't always get that opportunity either, just because, you know, a lot of female roles, you know, are pretty flat and pretty boring and they can't, you know, they don't really lend themselves to doing all this character work. I mean, you can, but at the end of the day, she's still just a supportive girlfriend. And so, you know, a character like, right. (laughs) And so the character of Faye just gave me the opportunity to really dig in and like completely divorce myself from, you know, the character I was playing, you know, completely create a new physicality, a new speaking sort of you know, quality that she has, you know, a whole physicality to make her seem kind of clumsy and make her, you know, really play on the fact that she was younger than I am, you know, I was playing much younger. So I wanted to make sure she seemed as small and as, you know, kind of meek sometimes in her physicality as possible. Um, so a lot of those, those sort of factors contributed to me feeling like it was one of the most satisfying sort of acting experiences I've gotten to have to date. And then also just you know, the people I got to, you know, work with Jake and I got to work with Gail and I got to work with Andrew and everyone else who was on set, you know, the entire crew was a joy to work with. And, you know, I still talk to a lot of them to this day just because that was, you know, just as satisfying was working with a bunch of people who were passionate and, you know, just as excited as I was to be, you know, a part of the film. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting. So for for this recording block, one of the other movies that we're watching is Blood Machines, which is on Shutter, which is mm-hmm. basically like the opposite kind of science fiction that you guys did. It's like over the top, like giant graphics, all that. But they're both like okay. small budgeted, like you know, independent films. Like theirs, they funded like on Kickstarter and stuff like that. And this is like oh, wow. a very small budget movie, and. The thing that I find really interesting that I never hear from, you know, like uh, an actor that's in like a big budget movie or somebody that's, you know, been nominated for, you know, Golden Globes and things like that. They never talk about how I still talk with the people from the set, but both of the people, you know, the people from Vast of Night and people from Blood Machines that I've talked to, they both have mentioned I still talk with those people. Like, those people became my friends. Oh, wow. I, I think that's really interesting that, like, you in the process of creating something so unique and so, like, inventive for so little money, you know, you guys all had to, as you said, bust your ass to, like, figure out how to yeah. get it done. And it put you through the fire together and you all became friends. Like, I, that's pretty cool to me. No, it is really cool. And that's one of the things that I love most about acting just in general is I'm so extroverted and I just love, you know, talking to people and meeting people and making new friends and stuff that way. And, you know, indie film is such a like just fertile ground for making new friends. And, you know, I I don't know, maybe it's just because, you know, when you don't have the kind of resources a lot of larger budget films have, you everyone kind of has to, you know, really be in, you know, they have to really, you know, everyone was there because they wanted to be and they were excited about making something interesting. And I think that maybe just the size, you know, of of the set, you know, sort of lends itself to, you know, becoming like a small group or like a small family and stuff like that. And so, yeah, because I I don't know, I've worked on, you know, like a wide range of sizes, you know, productions, you know, like big studio movies and then things like vast and smaller, actually. And, you know, you can make friends anywhere, but, you know, I, the only experiences that I've had where the crew and the cast and everyone kind of becomes like this family or really, you know, really sort of has this group, you know, mentality and stuff like that is on smaller films. And I think that's just, you know, a symptom of having to, you know, be more creative with resources. And, you know, like I said, everyone has to be down to kind of like bust their ass. And I think that sort of creates this this camaraderie and this sort of like, sameness amongst everyone that really you know like i I think it fosters a a friendly environment where people make connections that last a really long time it's interesting how that works (laughs) it is like like i really like that you know the guys that i do this podcast with we don't make any money but we've been doing it for for years now and we're all friends like we're all involved in each other's lives like past the podcast just because we do something for no money and make no money at it (laughs) and as a consequence right (laughs) we're just doing it because we love it so much and we get to talk with interesting people like you (laughs) oh well thank you and also yeah i think that's kind of what small film like lends itself to is it attracts people that you know really are only in it to to make something or to be creative or you know collaborate with other people you know so it's a good thing. <laughs> it is a good thing. The the other thing I really, you know, wanted to touch on that that I think is important is how you mentioned that there's not a lot of roles like Faye for women in in film. And correct. <laughs> you know, I I find it 
kind of disheartening that that's still the case, but I would hope that, you know, as, as time goes on, we start to see more of that because so many women that are actors are starting to really, really verbalize and people are actually paying attention at this point, you know? Yeah, right. Finally. <laughs> it's good to hear that while those roles still might be far between that you managed to like land one and do one. And I mean, this is, you know, like you said, her story arc from like, you know, timid high school girl to like, nah, we got to go do this now, like is <laughs> really, really cool to watch. Like it's a really engaging, like, you know, acting performance. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as we're getting kind of close to the end of, of the interview, uh, I know with the coronavirus, there's a lot of people that don't have very much going on. You know, maybe they have things in post-production that managed to get done before we all got put in quarantine or maybe <laughs> or maybe you have something that you're getting ready to start. But uh, let us know some of the things that you that you m might have coming up here soon. Um, well, due to coronavirus, it's not a super long list of things, um, just the nature of pandemic and everything. But I did um, shoot this sort of sexy um, LGBTQ uh, thriller before, you know, coronavirus happened, like a little while before, actually. Um, and so that should, I think, I'm the last person to like know these things, by the way. I think that should come out sometime this year um, in 2020, but that is all that I know so far about it. Um, other than that, uh, I have a short film that I produced that's, you know, in the process of being edited and stuff like that. So that, that's exciting. I get to check up on that. Um, other than that, not, not really. Um, more what's on my docket is like <laughs> needle pointing or like learning to roller skate, like you know, cooking, stuff like that. <laughs> as a, uh, as a roller derby coach, I will tell you, learn to roller. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. I coach a junior team here in, here in Colorado. Oh my God. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm just now learning to roller skate. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, that's so cool. So last thing, how can people find mm -hmm. you online, you know, follow your social media and make sure that we keep track of what you do next because, this just makes me want to watch more movies that you're in. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you. Um, so on Twitter, I'm Sierra N. McCormick, and I can't have, there's not enough room for the K at the end of my name. So it's Sierra N as in Nancy and then McCormick without the K at the end. <laughs> Um, and then my Instagram's a lot less complicated. It's just Sierra McCormick. It's just my name. <laughs> well, Sierra, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And to be really honest with you, like the Vast of Night has been one of the best things I've seen this year. Oh my God. Thank you, Gabe. That's so nice. <laughs> yeah, a lot of really good movies. The, the co-host that recommended it had nothing but praise for it. And so going into it, I was expect like my expectations were probably too high and, and it, Oh no. <laughs> yeah. It met it. This is, this is a really, really good. Wow. Movie. Like you guys should be really proud. That's, that's so awesome to hear. Thank you so much. <laughs> and thanks again for being on. <laughs> no, of course. It was super fun.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Thinking Outside the Long Walks podcast. Join us on Facebook and Twitter to get behind-the-scenes information for exclusive content and to be notified when new episodes are available. The thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent or reflect those of the Thinking Outside the Long Box podcast, Baron Space Productions, its partners, or affiliates. The Thinking Outside the Long Box podcast is made available by its creators, Juan, John, and Gabe. The podcast is edited and produced by Juan, and Albie is the co-executive producer. The Thinking Outside the Long Box podcast is a barren space production.